On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're talking about heists. We learn about some of the strangest heists ever carried out, some that give new meaning to the birds and the bees. And then we're jumping into and running from one of the scariest of natural disasters, tsunamis. We'll learn about what causes these giant walls of water that move inland and just keep coming. This is a scary topic, but we'll keep it light. This is Tell Me What You Know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 39 of Tell Me What You Know. Today is Monday, January the 20th. It is Martin Luther King Day. We are enjoying a, a somewhat empty office here in the studio. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it is. It's kind of quiet. Happy MLK. Happy MLK Day. Uh, today is also the 16th anniversary of Howard Dean's famous speech where he was rallying the troops before uh, he was a front runner for a. For oh, yeah, he was the Democratic front runner. Right. Uh, and his famous speech. If he didn't have the ending punctuation, yeah. I think it would have been okay. Right. I, I, re- I rewatched it recently, and I was I kind of think up until that point and it was we're okay. Going to Montana, and we're going to Iowa. They were going to break down the White House doors. <laughs> he named a lot of states in succession. I, I was pretty impressed by just his uh, listing abilities. DC. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny. Uh, if you haven't seen that, jump link on over to... Uh, jump link. <laughs> jump link Howard Dean. Howard Dean. <laughs> you might find out what that is at some point in the future. Product's coming very soon. Yes. Um, you also probably noticed uh, a slightly new intro for us. We've, we were given a little synopsis of the show, just so you guys have an idea of what to expect in the next 30 to 45 minutes of your listening. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. Let us know if you didn't. Um, I wanted to touch really quickly on some, some listener feedback we've been getting. Uh, a listener who is definitely not my mother has <laughs> complained that we speak too quickly on the podcast, and it's been happening for a few weeks in a row now. And uh, she goes, maybe it's, or this person said, maybe it's just me. <laughs> and I said, I think it is just you. And lo and behold, uh, her iTunes or her, her podcast app on her iPhone was playing at two times speed. Have you listened to the podcast ha- at two times I've speed? I've been meaning to listen to it at two times speed, but I think that's meant for uh, people with like a visual impairment or something who has like superhuman hearing yeah. that can understand it. Or you're listening to a podcast or a, a book on tape or something, right? and you, you're just trying to get through as much of it as you can. It's impossible to understand anything. Yeah. Oh. I, it's almost impossible to think that somebody could think that's actually us <laughs> talking that quickly. I mean, we are not on any uh, performance-enhancing drugs that's up right. here. That's right. Uh, so anyway, if you hear us speaking too quickly, check that bottom left corner. Make sure it says 1x. 1x. Not 1.5x, not 2x. We'll slow it down for you. Yes. We will slow it down for you guys today. Um, anything else we want to touch on before we jump into the subjects at hand? I don't think so. Nothing. I'm excited for this big topic you have. Well, hold on, just hold on to your expectations. See, they already know. I don't know. That's right. The, the, the listeners know. I don't know. You don't know. Well, Michael... Tell me what you know about heists. Ooh, heists. Well, I mean, I, I like it. Kind of goes in hand in hand with the uh, hostage negotiations, sort sure. of. Sure. Um, I mean, stop yeah. a heist, there's and some, then they're, some... and then they're, uh, you know, uh, heist goes wrong, right? And then they got to take hostages to try to get out, right? There's some overlap for heist. sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, it kind of spans a bunch of different types of, of heists. Like you could have an art heist, you could right. have a, a bank robbery. A, a bank robbery, sure. I think, is considered a heist. Mm. Um, but I do think a heist, the word heist to me sort of, uh, elicits the fact that these people really planned mm. this, like a lot of dominoes got to fall in right. the right order 
for this to happen. Right. You think about you know? uh, like famous heist movies. Yeah. There's all these casino ones, like all the Ocean series. Yep. You got the automobile ones like Fast and the Furious, Gone in 60 Seconds, Italian Job. Italian Job, the original and the, the, the movie, remake. The movie Heist. Heist, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Another really good one. Baby that, Driver. Uh, Baby Driver, the score yeah. uh, is a really good one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- it's a it's a great movie format because right. of all these reasons. And you can have like a nice uh, uh, surprise ending of how right. did they pull this off. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a super interesting topic. Uh, and, and sometimes I feel like the good or the bad guys are they endear themselves to the audience no matter what. Because you're like, oh, wow, how did they pull this off? Right, right. Um, in fact, uh, kind of going back to our Christmas diehard watching, mm. uh, I'm going to plug another podcast or another uh, show, I think. It's the Movies That Made Us on Netflix I, I was watching. Yeah. And I watched the diehard one. And diehard, it was, it was originally supposed to just be terrorists. Yeah. And they converted it into a heist movie for this exact reason of what you're talking about, to ah. make the, the characters a little bit more redeemable. Okay. You're just stealing money. You're not... No, I mean they also kill people, right? but I'm just I'm just saying, yeah. They, there's at least a understanding to your point of what you're making. Sure. Um, I was gonna get into like the biggest bank heist in history, but those are all lists you can just go and look at, right? Like yeah. the 980 million dollars in Iraq that was pretty much sanctioned by Saddam Hussein before the war started. Wow. I don't even know if you consider that a heist. He just he was in charge and he said, hey, he sent his brother to go take out almost a billion dollars, right? Yeah. Seems like I got a whole army behind me. Right. Yeah. There was a there was like a seventy to eighty million dollar heist in Fortaleza, Brazil, which is a tunnel dug into a bank, that kind of thing. Did that happen though during a soccer match? Actually, I didn't read into that one much because I didn't want to. I had heard. Ma- route, I'm not sure maybe. if it was that one, but I had heard about a heist happening in Brazil sense. that they scheduled during like the World Cup Everybody's because they knew everybody would be watching it. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get into heists. We're gonna get into some of the r- r- like weirder, stranger heists that I found out there today. Okay. All right. We're going to start with a guy named Pavel Veretinov. Russian. Uh, sounds Russian from Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to call him Pavel because his last name is a little too tough for me. Yeah. He's a 51-year-old beekeeper from Sacramento, California. Hmm. And while working on bee farms uh, in, or I guess they're mostly almond farms. They use the bees for pollination during almond season. Uh, so while working on bee farms in the Fresno area, he had been stealing hives at night while the bees were dormant, and then moving them on flatbed trucks to other places in California and other states as well. Uh, in total, he was accused of stealing around 2,500 hives for uh, about $875,000 was like the worth hmm. of all these hives, right? Pretty crazy. And when they when they captured him, he was on like a $10,000 bond or whatever. Yeah. They found that they were just kind of scratching the surface of this bee heist ring, this crime ring out there. Wow. Um, one bee owner from Montana said he would typically ship his bees out to California during the winter because uh, that's when the pollination season was for almonds, and then he'd bring them back uh, before the, the honey harvest in July. Mm-hmm. So when he went out to Fresno to pick up his hives after they'd been found, uh, he noted like the pallets had been repainted or rebranded with another bee uh, company company's name on it, um, and that they had been kept in, like, in the same area as other breeds, which he was super pissed about because crossbreeding with bees can make them more aggressive. It can lead to poor bee health and stuff like that. Oh. So we had to quarantine them. They probably had mites, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He was super pissed. You think he went to the queen and was like, anything happened while I was gone? <laughs> 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 yeah, we've had a lot of mixtures of bees oh, here. Oh, Pavel. Oh, Pavel. Uh, are, are you going to continue on this? Because I have a couple more. Kind of well, so um, how does he get money from, from this? Like, 
I skipped over that. Sorry. Good question. Okay. So what he would do is he would uh, he would rent these out to other farms for cash. Okay. To help them pollinate their almonds. Got it. Uh, the almond crop or whatever. So they the people that were renting from him were kind of like I'm I, I'm assuming you're an upstanding yeah. beekeeper. Probably just didn't ask, right? Yeah. Yeah. I need some bees. You've got oh, some bees. I'll you were offering a very fair price. That's right. I'll take them. <laughs> got it. Oh, cash only. It's got to be on the up and up. It's how much off? That's right. Got it. That's right. Um, so from the bee heist. We'll move into, this one is a bank robbery heist, uh, but it's got kind of a particular weird twist to it, I feel like. Okay. So this is in Argentina, uh, in Buenos Aires. There was a eight-hour standoff at a bank, uh, Banco Rio, I believe it was called. Uh, they had about 23 hostages, in, and the captive, captors were inside, and hundreds of police were outside the building. It was eight-hour standoff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the robbers made kind of a weird demand. They said they would, tr- they would hand over four hostages in exchange for a bunch of pizzas and some soda. So they gave the hostages out. They sent the pizzas and the soda inside and essentially had a party with the, with the hostages inside. <laughs> they even sang happy birthday to one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were super nice the whole time, apparently, and they were letting like, the hostages use their phones to talk to family members, like say they were okay, all that kind of stuff, which basically bought them a ton of time. Yeah, because the situation was really chill. Right. Okay. Uh, so they had, huh, smart. they had basically dug a, a tunnel from uh, a sewage line up into the bank, and this sewage line led them through a, like a series of tunnels out into the Rio de la Plata, where they had a boat waiting for them to take them away. The police outside noticed it had been way too quiet inside for too long, so they forced their way in. They saw 19 happy <laughs> hostages in there eating pizza, drinking Coke. Why didn't they just come out? Well, I don't know. I, I, this is okay. I, maybe they said, if you know, if you move, we'll kill you or something. Right, right, <laughs> right. Something. Happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they got they went into the vault and noticed there was a big lead lid on the floor that was bolted from the other side. Mm-hmm. And they finally got it open. They found that they guys they had escaped out. They made it up with anywhere from twenty five to seventy million dollars. Wow! And it was in safe deposit boxes because this was after the two thousand one uh, collapse in Argentina, right? And so after that, they People. basically said, "I'm never putting my money in the bank again." They kept right. them in safe deposit box, safety deposit boxes, that kind of thing. Yeah. So huh. jewelry, tons of like bond, I guess, just lots of cash and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. That's that's awesome. They left toy guns as well. They said they wanted to. Uh, they wanted to like steal money, not love, or something like that. And so, right, right, right. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I like trying to like hurt anybody or make yeah. anybody feel bad. They were just trying to get away, and and they kind of became like people in our like, Oh yeah, these guys are fucking geniuses. This is awesome. That's what I mean about like a heist. It, right. it almost has if you're smart enough to pull it off, you almost get to keep it. Yeah. Huh. And as far as I know, they haven't caught them. I'm sure maybe at some point they tracked them down. They tracked them down, or somebody. Yeah. Oh, I believe uh, one of their wives like got a, a you know a taste of conscience or whatever. Her mm. conscience kind of turned on her, and she mm. maybe, maybe ratted them out or something. Mm. But. A lot, a tunneling is the major, like the best way into a bank, right? A bank vault, like right? That seems like it. It's always the the best way in the movies. A lot of movies about digging tunnels. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I'd be too claustrophobic or worried that the tunnel's going to collapse. I guess you have to have some engineers on your team. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I guess if you're a bank owner, you should probably invest in some seismic, uh, like a seismograph or something, yeah. like an alarm system that that right. goes off for that. But, but, um. Yeah, I was actually reading about this. It's really hard to detect tunnels. Really? Yeah, because uh, the rocks like really absorb that kind of the digging. And digging. Everything. Yeah, it's it's supposedly if you have a, I think Elon Musk said this. If if you if you have talking about his boring company, mm. uh, yeah, if you have a technology that can detect tunnels. Which one? <laughs> oh, that Elon. <laughs> uh, if you can, if you have a, a technology that can detect tunnels, you could sell it to the Israelis for billions of dollars yeah. because they're they're worried about people tunneling under their walls and stuff. Right. Huh. Interesting. Or to a bank. 
That's right. right. (laughs) Let's make some money in the face of fear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one's kind of interesting because it's it's, uh, it's called a reverse heist. I'm sure you've heard of the artist Banksy. Uh Uh-huh. So Banksy was sneaking into museums in New York and hanging his own work on the walls there. (laughs) 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 So he was in the Met. He was in the the MoMA uh, Museum of Natural History, the Brooklyn Museum. Good for Banksy. Yeah, he would. He, he had been studying biographies and 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 works by Harry Houdini to learn how to like inconspicuously, conspicu- inconspicuously get into places. Okay, that's one of those words where it's like. Uh, yeah, which one is irregardless? Like I'm saying something wrong. Here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, to get in without being noticed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And these apparently some of these works were like pretty big, like the size of a you know a giant painting. But can hmm. you imagine seeing some work by like Matisse, and then next to it you have. Uh, some lady wearing a gas mask. Right, That's right. Like a Banksy picture. Yeah. That'd be oh. pretty crazy. I, I wonder how he did that. Uh, Houdini knows. Uh, they, they asked him, I guess he's done some interviews. They've mm-hmm. asked him, but I, don't, I still don't think anybody knows who he is. I don't think he shows his face. Right. But they they asked him, you know, why, why did you do this? And he said, well, I thought some of the paintings were quite good. Uh, that's why <laughs> I thought, you know, put them in a gallery. Otherwise, they would just be at my house and no one would see them. Uh-huh. So he kind of did a reverse heist where he uh-huh. broke in and hung his own pictures up. Oh. We should do a reverse heist for this podcast. Put it on some major podcast channel. True, that's what we should do. Wow, that's a good idea. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody'll listen to it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna listen to it. That's a great idea, Banksy. Yeah. Uh, this one was quite odd. I thought um, this happened in Russia, in a town called Komarovo, at the Church of the Resurrection. Komarovo is a small town, pretty secluded. It's about 200 miles northeast of Moscow. Okay. I don't think a ton of people live there. Yeah, it must be and really the church, cold. The church had not been uh, in use. It, it had been standing since 1809, but was not currently in use when this was happening. Uh, people said that in July of this, I, th- I believe it was 2009. I could be wrong on that. The church was fully intact. But by early October, all that was left were the walls and the foundation. So some robbers had come in and stolen a church. Brick <laughs> by brick had taken a church away. So they stole an entire church. They stole an entire church. Huh. Uh, apparently they're targeted in Russia because you can sell the ornate decorations and the religious icons and stuff like that. And then all the other building supplies can be sold as well. Right. Uh, so yeah, the, they basically stole a, an entire church from about a town, 200 North, 200 miles Northeast of Moscow. Did you say how long that took them? So it took them about three months, I think. Three months. Yeah. Wow. July, August, September, October. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Three and a half, four months. Do you think they had the buyer lined up for all that stuff? I guess. Why, why they were, you know. Driving these trucks and there must northern be Russia. Living in that town is no, thing. no. You waking up and the half half of it's gone. Month and a half into it. Yeah, Man, that's crazy. I guess you put some construction signs up or something, <laughs> and that's it. I have no idea. Don't worry, it'll come back. No, it's not coming back. Huh. Uh, yeah, so that's a church theft, which I thought was kind of unique. Yeah, this one, this final one here, uh, I think we could talk about for a really long time. There's actually a, been a book written about it. It's kind of interesting. And we're going to get back on to, I feel like we've talked a lot about birds recently. (laughs) (laughs) We're not stopping today. Uh, There's a guy named Edwin Rist. Edwin Rist. In 2009, he was a 20-year-old American student studying at the Royal Academy of Music in London. He's a flutist. Okay. Flautist, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. He's also a champion master salmon fly tire. So he, he makes flies, I guess. For fishing? For, for, okay. Right? For fly fishing salmon? I guess so, right? So what I've found out through this is that 
uh, it's not just the functionality of these things that are make them so like valued. It's the more ornate feathers you can use and stuff like that on these hooks, on these flies, uh, the more kudos you get in within that kind of uh, in that community. That community, I guess, right? Huh. So goes to show you can master anything, right? Wrist broke into the Natural History Museum at Tring, which is a repository for exotic birds. Uh, he took a suitcase in there with him and stole about two hundred and about three hundred uh, feathers and bird skins, exotic birds from like, you know, the some of the, like Bird of Paradise, like all these birds that are super rare. Some of the most rare birds. And they're in all the world. they're all labeled and they date back for like people that had I guess started this were contemporaries of Charles Darwin. So these things were super old. Mm-hmm. The scientific value of them was was immense, right? Right. So he stole about 300 bird skins and feathers, and he went around to all these different fly tires and sold them online and made a ton of money with it. Wow. Yeah. This guy, uh, Kirk Johnson, found out about about wrist while he was on a fishing trip in Arizona, I believe, and uh, just got infatuated with it and decided to go out and try and you know figure out who all bought these feathers, what, what wrist was all about, that kind of thing. Wrist got caught about a year later, uh, but never served a day of jail time. They diagnosed him with Asperger's syndrome mm-hmm. and said he doesn't know right from wrong and he was basically cleared of it. <laughs> Which, So, I mean, uh, Kirk Johnson actually has a quote that I wanted to read about this. They, they interviewed him and they said, uh, he says, I say this with no ax to grind against Asperger's. I have people in my extended family who have it. But around the five or six hour mark of my interview with Edwin, I said, I don't want to sound like a jerk and I'm not an expert in it, but you don't seem like you have Asperger's. You're not avoiding eye contact and you're clearly reading the subtext of my questions. I'm paraphrasing what he told me that he became what he needed to become during that phase in his life, that he never had any issues with eye contact before or since, but that all of a sudden he couldn't look people in the eyes, started rocking back and forth, and hiked his voice up an octave. To me, it was clear that he had gamed the system. He never spent a night in jail, graduated from the Royal Academy, and today plays the flute with orchestras throughout Germany, albeit under a different name. Hmm. He was apparently trying to get money for a, to buy a golden flute. Okay. And to also... Something else I read was that he was uh, trying to help his parents with their struggling uh, Labradoodle breeding company they had back in the states. I'm 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 not saying anything because I'm still wrapping my head around this situation. <laughs> it's so bizarre. There's a book called uh, "The Feather Thief." It's a nonfiction recount of of the story of Edwin Rist by this guy Kirk Johnson. He was 20 when he did this. Yes, he was 20. He he busted in. He broke in. He stole all these feathers. And you then say where he was from? Which, which state? He's from New York. New York. Mm-hmm. Like upstate? Uh, I don't I don't know. Oh, yeah. Hmm. That's wild. There's a there's I think I there's mean, a whole this American life about it. About it, yeah. I mean what an odd way what an odd um thing to see value in well, and in and in a certain way, you well, know? Only people that are in that realm would know there's value. Right. I mean, obviously there's value to it cuz it's old and and like one of a kind type stuff, right, but like, to know that you could turn around and sell that kind of stuff. But I wonder if the people that even had the feathers would be like, we got to watch out for the for the salmon fly makers. Kind of break in here and get all these, you know what I mean? It's like, it's so rare. It's so hard to make that jump that you're, you don't see it coming. Right. It's almost, that makes it such a great heist. It's a perfect crime. It's a perfect crime. And and, uh, apparently when this guy was digging into like who had bought these feathers and to see all that kind of stuff, he was basically kind of warned, like we're a pretty tight lipped community. Oh, Like you don't, don't ask anymore. Don't ask any questions. (laughs) Wow. That's another interesting aspect to it right there. Um, it's yeah, it's, you have (laughs) so crazy. Yeah, you've got this community that almost wants you to do it. Yeah, it's like a 
It'd we're be sort of like you don't it would be sort of like uh, if people came to this cannonball community mm-hmm. and were like, "How fast and who was driving?" Right, and they'd be like, "Don't ask any yeah. questions. Don't ask any questions. Get out of That's here. crazy. Yeah, huh? I want to watch some of that, some of that content about that. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be really good. Hmm. Uh, watch This American Life or read that book, even. The yeah, fe- the Feather Thief. The Feather Thief. Yeah. Um, so those are some wacky heists that I stumbled across. That was interesting. Thanks. Do you have sure, a, there are a million more? Have you ever had a, a heist idea? I mean, do you, mm, so do you? Would you include? I'm not going to incriminate myself on a podcast <laughs> that's listened to by tens of people. If you plan on doing it in the future, <laughs> tens of people. Uh, would Would you consider hacking or digital heist a heist? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, maybe people stealing cryptocurrencies from uh, what was it Mount Mount Gox or yeah what Mount was Gox. that Mount Gox? Mm. It's a heist one. Yeah. But again, so it's similarly with the um, uh, with the feather thing, you're stealing something that I think the general population has a hard time wrapping their head around the value. Like, I don't even understand why this thing has value. Why do these feathers have so much value to you? Why why do these digital coins that are basically just code right. have so much value to you? And so I think a lot of people... In that, the, in that the, you the, wouldn't see them the, as a target for well, stealing, not you that you don't understand why they're valuable. You wouldn't see them as a target, but then how much how much resources are going to go into people tracking you down to make you, uh, you know, to get justice for your for your crime? Right. You know what I mean? Like, is the FBI going to send uh, uh, how many agents after you because of this, even though the value might be immense? Right. I think people would just be like, oh, you're putting me on the, the feather crime? Like, really? Yeah. I joined the FBI so I could stop... Big well, crimes. But I mean, I think you like look into it for five minutes and you see that these things, it's like so niche and it's so right wacky that like, it'd be, I think it'd be something that you'd want to get into. Right, maybe huh. not. I don't know. But like you find you need out, a real like, zany FBI agent. <laughs> you a little Andy Samberg action in there. <laughs> no, but you see like uh, these guys, uh, they- Did like, we just come up with a TV show? We did. Yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn 999. Uh, but you, you read into it a little bit and you see that there's these feathers that date back, you know, 200 years. They've been collected in this museum. Yeah. And they- they have their whole like the whole scientific thought process behind them. They're labeled, and you, you can like study these feathers, I guess, now to, to test the mercury mm-hmm. uh, in birds these days and see right. what the difference is. That right. kind of thing, right? right? Right. No. So it has it has value to a, another niche community, right. but it doesn't have value. Well, I mean, if you came in and dropped this this feather on my on this table, yes, I, you might as well have just you gone down to Mardi Gras and come back with a with a string of beads and put those on the table. Like they're just completely worthless to me. I don't I don't see the real value of right. it. Um yeah, and then to steal it and then to 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 sell it to another niche community <laughs> it's catching salmon. You got a flautist <laughs> stealing feathers for salmon from a bird museum. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what you don't get about this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you say how much he, how much it valued was? Like how much I, you got I, out of it? No, I you didn't. Didn't say I didn't. that. Uh, enough to buy a golden flute, flute. And, and breed a bunch more labradoodles. Hey, I'm glad we got more labradoodles. The fact out of that it. he got off is kind of crazy, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to think he was lying, or or at least was not. On the spectrum enough to not be, right? Not able to 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 know when he needed to play it up. It's, yeah, it's you know, crazy. maybe he does have Aspergers, but it's at least in a point where he's like, I know I got Aspergers, and I'm going to lean into this. Right. Which I'm not even sure if that if 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 that's a possibility. Do you really have Aspergers? I, I don't know. There's some connection in there as well with Sasha Baron Cohen. I think his like cousin was the one who was either the judge or he was the one who mm-hmm. ruled that he had Aspergers or something. Mm-hmm. 
Well, he had enough, enough money. There was definitely a Borat reference in there. Yeah. He had enough money, I guess, to pay a good defense attorney. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Smothers huh. aren't cheap. Oh. We're thinking of, like, close to one-of-a-kind feathers here. I mean... Yeah, no. Yeah. Rare. But mm-hmm. but you, what you have is only as good as, as who you can sell it to. And there is a community. And there's a community. There's a community for everything out there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Fingernail clippings. <laughs> of... Winston Churchill. That's right. From the bathtub. <laughs> Dental record. That he took every day. That's right. Um, yeah, good topic. Thanks. Um, we're going to jump over to a uh, natural disaster. Sweet. Michael, tell me what you know about tsunamis. Tsunamis. Tsunami means big wave in Japanese. Is that right? Uh, it doesn't. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty confident about that one. It, it is Japanese. It it means harbor wave. So, oh, I mean, technically, wave. yeah, it means wave, but it's a certain type, yeah. Okay. No, as you said, I was like, does it mean... Sometimes you've done that to me in the past. You're like... Yeah. I'm like, am I right about this? Tsunamis are... Uh, They're t- massive waves mm-hmm. caused by earth earthquakes in the ocean, yep. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from the disaster movies I've seen, they can be taller than buildings. This is true. But I don't know if that's actually a fact. Uh, this... So... I know what you mean. The the the, the visual yeah. of a wave that is taller than a building. Yes. Uh, in a movie. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. But what really it is, it's like it's really a, the entire ocean <laughs> is moving inland. Okay. You know, so uh, you know the the forma of a wave in that cool crest mm-hmm. motion, and like you want the crest to you know in the movie, whatever movie you see with this, it's crashing into the buildings and doing that. But you got to have the right um, harbor uh, geography okay. for for that to actually happen. You know, like you can have those huge waves way out on a sandbar, yeah, a- away from the coast. Right. You got to take like, like a boat out to yeah. <clears throat> so uh, like when a tsunami forms, it's really just like it could just be like a big wall of water that just moves mm-hmm. inland and keeps coming and keeps yeah. coming and keeps coming. Um, but if in the right ways and and um, and it may be the different cause. Like, it's not only earthquakes, uh, but volcanoes, volcanoes and also landslides. Landslides. Underwater c- landslides? So it could be an underwater landslide, but uh-huh. it, it could also be uh, a landslide that's above uh, on land that comes into the water. Um, like, maybe even around a, a large lake. Okay. Um, an iceberg calving can, can cause a tsunami of some sorts. They're, they're not going to be, I think, as big as some others because of you have to have a pretty large iceberg fall off yeah uh, but but you could certainly uh be somewhere near an iceberg and have it have it calve c-a-l-v yes cal- calving uh fall into the water and, and send a huge wave at you mm-hmm. and you've got to get out of there pretty quickly right um it, some some ways like a meteorite can cause a tsunami if it strikes it's just pretty rare that meteors are are you know gonna land and like well i mean come they happen yeah but uh it's pretty rare is, um, it, is a tsunami? Does it have to be one wave, or is it multiple? No, waves? so so actually, tsunamis are a group of waves. Oh, okay. It's it's rarely just one wave, and in fact, it's mostly uh, three large waves. Three, three, but it can you can have a series of them. It, a tsunami is a series of waves. Gotcha. And in fact, the first wave is usually the smallest, and the second and third can be larger. Mm. Um. So yeah. So yeah, you kind of hit on all my big points. The most common ones. Uh, are are caused from earthquakes and volcanoes, like underwater volcanoes, uh, might erupt and then that displaces the water. So it's really the displacement of water is they where only the tsunami comes in from. The Indian and Pacific. 
you really, you hit on all the main well, points I, I was I, making. I didn't yeah. know if maybe they happen here and we call it something else, like a hurricane, no. a cyclone, that kind of thing. No, no. Uh, yeah, tsunami's the yeah. uh, the used term everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, 80% of the tsunamis occur in the Pacific Ocean's ring of fire. Right. So that it's a large part of the world. but but Japan area. Yeah. Eight out of ten would, would occur over there. Yeah. But there have been large tsunamis that occur in uh, in Norway. This was a, from a landslide mostly, okay. and then um, they're way rarer though. I feel like much more rare. But one this rare. one more rare. Uh, one happened in 1905 mm. in Norway and killed. Um, I, I just read it before we started this. And I didn't write four it down. Four seals. Uh, no, it was like it's like <laughs> almost a couple hundred people. I yeah, think. Sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> four seals. Uh, yeah, th- these aren't like. Um, well, and then they happen. They're, they're, to your point, they're usually in places where there might not be as many people. Right. Um, but but, there, but they could occur. There was one really bad one, like in Sri Lanka and India. Correct. This is ten years ago, maybe. Uh, two thousand four. Yeah. Two thousand four. Wow, you really were onto the I most deadly tsunamis. Because, How much uh, did you know about tsunamis? Well, my mother used to work with a lady from Sri Lanka, and so oh. when that happened, we heard a lot about yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Well, so like, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to let you keep going because I have more I could say. <laughs> All right. Well, no, I'm, I'll skip over that one because we can come back to it. Because I'll just I want to touch on one other one that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a landslide um, in Latoya Bay, Alaska. Okay. And that happened on April Fool's Day. I wonder if that had anything. Uh, if it's like stop. <laughs> <laughs> Not the, you know they tell me like gotcha earthquake <laughs> uh, yeah tsunami coming we're like okay oh right right uh, it was in 1958 um, it killed. Um, I read it was 159 people, but yeah. I'd also read five. I, that's a pretty large discrepancy that is. in this information. Yeah, uh, but it was caused by a rock slide, caused by an earthquake. So the on rock the slide fi- on the Fairweather Fault uh, next to Latoya Bay. All this land falls into the ocean and just kind of disrupts it, and then that's what causes this wave. Correct. Waves. It's yeah. It's the displacement of water. Yeah. So the this land wasn't here before. Now these rocks fell from as high as 3,000 feet. Oh, okay. Uh, the force. This was the highest wave mm. ever, uh, highest tsunami ever recorded. The force of the wave removed all trees and vegetation from elevations as high as 1,720 feet. Jeez. Yeah. How above far above sea level. Um, it, it because of the. So this is where it's kind of the 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 form of the tsunami depends on the the form the geography of the land. Right. So it goes up really quickly because the land goes up really quickly. Mm. Right. So. Just displaces the amount of water volume mm-hmm. of land that came in now. Mm. So it went as high as 1,720 feet. So if you saw that happen, I mean, that oh, that would be freaky, man. Um, it's the highest wave ever ever recorded. Yeah. No, it's looking at it like the cranes and, outside. And yeah, the, that would just be you're watching this wall of water just come and swallow you. Yeah. It's, it wouldn't be a wave looking like as like a, how we know a surfing wave. It would be like a wave pool. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, you just gotta just dive under it before it crashes. You're good. Yeah, just jump under it. Just <laughs> jump, jump straight into yes. it. <laughs> You're good to go. Um, but yeah, so let's jump over to uh, the most deadly tsunami uh, that you just mentioned. It's it happened on Boxing Day, day after Christmas in 2004. Uh, it, it happened in the Indian Ocean from an earthquake as a 9.1 magnitude yeah, earth, earthquake, strongest earthquake ever recorded. I'll say one of the strongest. I'd read that it was the strongest, but um, a, uh, an earthquake that powerful shook the world. Hmm. Um, like around the world, it was felt, but it was mostly, I mean, really felt in the countries that it was affected, like Sri Lanka and over through India, Bangladesh, Bangladesh and around around that yes. part of the world. Um, 
and it sent a tsunami towards the worst part. The worst people that got hit was probably uh, the island of Sumatra in Indonesia. Uh, but the total, the tsunami killed 230,000 people. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. What I found really interesting about this, they didn't have a warning system. Yeah. And, and, and what I just mentioned, 80% of the tsunamis occur in the Pacific Ocean's um, ring of fire. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a, a tsunami warning system? Well, that, I don't think that's the ring of fire there, though, where they are. But so still. I, I, it comes around, I think. That, yeah, like the ring Through of... Indonesia and everything? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's just a, it's a huge yeah. chain of, of fault lines and volcanoes. Yeah, Sorry. okay. Maybe you're right. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, no, but... I, but well, they're also super poor countries, so maybe they don't. Well, so what's interesting? Some of them are very poor. Yeah, but uh, so I'll jump to this part because I wanted to just talk about the warning system. They're not that expensive. Okay. Uh, Pacific tsunami. The Pacific tsunami warning system was established in 1949. It detects seismic activity paired with buoy systems mm-hmm. uh, that detect changes in sea level and determine if a tsunami's coming. Right. Uh, so this. The, the Pacific tsunami warning system, which I think is paired with, with Hawaii and Japan and California and that side, um, it has hundreds of seismic stations worldwide, uh, and it also mixes in satellite data. So I'm sure this is a very um, complex system. Right. However, some of these buoys and, and warning systems can be just a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm. Um, and in fact, even to this day, they say that their, their, their system doesn't work. Uh, and... and they received, you know, billions of dollars of aid, aid to rebuild. Now, look, you got to rebuild your entire society. Yeah. I get that, but I would think, hey, maybe we should invest in a in a warning system uh, and make sure that it's working. Considering that in a matter of hours, it can kill two hundred thirty thousand people and yeah. cause the destruction of our society. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, maybe you can speak more on this as well. But I, uh, with that one specifically, what I understood was that. Uh, before this, before the tsunami hit, before the waves hit, the tide goes so far out. Correct. Like miles out. Yeah. Maybe is that right? It does go maybe out. I, water way, maybe not miles, but like no, it, it goes. It's like the lowest low tide you've ever seen. In for sure, it looks like it's just a desert out. It looks like a desert. Yeah, you could walk for a mile or two out. Yeah. Um, it it depends on how quickly the the tsunami is going to hit. Uh, I mean, the, the the biggest wave I think from this earthquake, um, and this was an earthquake that. It, the you know how different earthquakes cause different types of um, reactions. So you have ones where the tectonic plate moves against each other. Yeah. So it it almost rubs like you're rubbing your two hands together, right. and then you have one where the plate is moving underneath the other plate, right. and that's what this was. Okay. And these type of plate tectonic reactions cause the largest earthquakes. Yeah. So what happened was it slipped, and the top plate rose really high sending the the water displacing the water yeah. out actually into the indian ocean yeah. actually but then it was very close to indonesia and in two hours this wave hit their their coastline yeah so yeah the the displacement has to suck the water from someplace so you're right it brings it out from mm-hmm. the uh it feeds the wave feeds the wave and comes in and i mean it's it'd be very similar like you can almost model this in like a bathtub or something if you wanted to like right. just drop something in or like even put your hand under the bath and like just raise it up it's got to be a crazy scary image to see that right just like see oh. this way you got to run the normal you got to run yeah uh you got to get to high ground as quickly as you can jeez uh there've been a lot of movies to be to be made about it i i, I didn't write them all down but there were several uh movies that were made uh some of talking about the earthquake um so it struck 11 total countries 
had worldwide effects. In fact, uh, it actually created earthquakes as far as Alaska. Yeah. Um, and the amount of energy released in this earthquake was five megatons, or two times the amount of explosives used in all of World War II. Jeez. So that, that's the amount of energy that was displaced in this uh, yeah. earthquake. The tsunami reached a height of, in some places, 30 feet, and in some places, 100 feet. Uh, yeah, and, and the effects of it were felt uh, many, many kilometers inland. Yeah. Um, tsunamis, they can travel at speeds of up to 5,000 miles an hour. What? They can cover, they can, so they can cover the entire Pacific Ocean in, in a day. Jesus. Yeah. Crazy. Huh. <clears throat> that, yeah, that's pretty fast. Um, this is one of my biggest, I think, natural disaster fears. Well, but you live here. Correct. <laughs> well, let's get to something else. Well, I have a question before we do that. And I might know the answer now that I'm thinking about it, but tidal waves compared to tsunamis. This tidal wave just has to do with the tide, like the sun, like the gravitation from the moon. And not necessarily so, like reading about this. Water so, earthquake. tidal waves and tsunamis are supposed to be the same thing. Mm. Um, the issue with calling it a tidal wave is that it it uh, makes you think that it has something to do with the tide when it doesn't. Okay. So, uh, a tidal wave is is sort of a a mischaracterizing name for a tsunami. But a tidal wave is something, though. People people use the term. But, but they I, use it to mean something when it when it doesn't necessarily affect, uh, or it, it, it's not related to a tsunami. Like th- right, they're right, the same yeah, thing. They're, they're the same thing. A tidal wave and and a tsunami are the same thing. Okay. It's just that calling it sure a tidal wave. Let's Google it. I'm pretty. I read about this, and I, I was saying. I think I think the part where you said that people mischaracterize a, t- a tsunami as a tidal wave makes sense, but I think tidal waves are something different. I mean, I mean, all waves are caused by by the tide, which is but caused by the by the gravity by, the by gravity of Earth and in, in the Moon. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know how um, how the movements of the planets mm-hmm. create uh, random waves like that. Okay. Like usually, uh, I, I read something that that big changes in atmospheric pressure yeah can push down on the water. And, and cause waves like like when you are on the ocean or you're on a lake and you have a um, uh, a storm above you the barometric pressure comes down mm. on on where you are and it pushes the waves and the wind is so howling goes so high that it pushes the water down and gets the and that's so it's waves on 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 the ocean and in the lakes yeah are are a product of both barometric pressure and time okay so the longer the storm stays over the the water, yeah. the higher the waves can get. We gotta get an expert on this subject. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going. I'm I'm taking a claim on this. <laughs> yeah, you are. I read the Perfect Storm, <laughs> and I remember a lot of stuff okay. from that book. All right, we'll, we'll Google this more, and we'll come back. Well, let's like we'll, uh, we'll, like we'll, you we'll, can have fifty. I think you can have fifty foot waves on like Lake Michigan. Sure. With it with a storm that stays there that's strong enough, and over a period of time, okay. you get that high. All right. I'll fact check you. All right. Um, but yeah, so you said, well, what are we scared of? <laughs> we live in Washington, D.C. What do we got to be scared of tsunamis for? That's right. Well, there are, there are these things called mega tsunamis. And mega tsunamis happen uh, <laughs> with a much much more rare. They're about one every uh, 10,000 years. Oh. And they mostly come from... And the last one was 99,000... 99, <laughs> 99 years ago. Oh, 10,000, you said, sorry. 9,000 years uh, ago. They happen mostly when like 
you have a large island chain that is um, obviously it's created by a volcano, mm-hmm. and uh, the volcano either erupts and then it uh, it drops a huge chunk of land into the water and sends a huge wave. I mean, so we're, I, talking we're talking about when Old Faithful kills us all. There's gonna be a, a mega tsunami. Well, uh, you mean uh, Yosemite? The, guy, the geyser, yeah. Uh, no. Yosemite, the caldera, the whole thing there. Well, that's just a massive explosion. But if that were underwater, okay. yes, it would create a tsunami. Okay. You need the water, Michael. Right. <laughs> don't you think that uh, if one of these, there's not, you don't have to worry about a mega tsunami because you're just dead. Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Well, so I'm scared. So the island of La Palma is in the Canary Island chain. Yeah. In the Atlantic. Yes. Uh, it's a volcanic island, and so that's off the coast of Africa. It's like the furthest um, furthest west island, looks like. Yes. It is Part of Spain, I believe. Yes, Spain is, Spain is uh, yeah, yeah. the nation that okay. owns it. Uh, it is supposed to collapse at some point. Okay. In 2004, there was a scientist that was kind of sounding the alarms a lot higher that... There's not enough warning system here. We don't have enough seismic activity monitors. Like we don't know exactly what's going on with this volcano. Yeah. And it, I, I'm pretty sure they're dead set that at some point in the future, that could be now. It could be ten thousand years from now. Uh-huh. Don't know. Uh, this island will fall off into the Atlantic Ocean and send a massive tsunami at basically Brazil, all the Caribbean, uh, the east coast of the United States, uh, and even. Um, as far north as like England and mm-hmm. up in that area. So I mean, you know, you watch it; it spans out like a, like a expanding wave. Yeah, we'll send it towards Africa and Spain as well. Or I mean, I uh, there will be. be. Yeah, yeah, but because of the way that the waters, like the, the land, is falling into the gotcha. the ocean and sending it that wave. Mm. But yeah, it should come around. Like basically, if you have a landmass yeah. in front of you, you're you're sort of shielded by the wave. Okay. Think about like a harbor that they build. Around um, like in Charleston or something, they build a sandbar out there. Yeah. So it's it makes it so that the interior waters stay much more stable. Right. So it's not like, well, it's like jostling the, the boats around. The outer banks. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so for us, I'm pretty sure the tsunami would come up like all the way up the uh, uh, Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. But by the time I think it gets here, it might, you know, raise up. I think we would absolutely see damage. We would absolutely see deaths. Here. Um. Oh wow! I think so. Maybe not in DC. Uh, maybe not deaths. We would have. We would have. I think like ten hours, 10, ten or twelve hours. Yeah, I'd be out of here. So we would have time to get out. Um, I think they'd be able to call us. <laughs> they'd let us know. Hey, uh, U.S. Yeah, you need to leave. Hey, hey, uh, Trump. It's twenty twenty eight. You're this still thing, there. This thing uh, fell. This thing fell. Yeah, uh, it's coming. Yeah. Um, real quick, there's a movie that I really enjoyed. That's about a tsunami. It's called The Wave. It's actually in uh, it's in Finland. It's mm-hmm. kind of paired off of that 1905 disaster I mentioned. Uh, it came out in 2015, and uh, it's pretty good. If you enjoy some subtitles, I think the there wave. might be some might be some uh, uh, English version of it, but okay. it's pretty good. All right, yeah, just check it out. I'll check it out. Jump uh, link wave. Jump link wave. Well, I'm officially scared of another thing now, so thank you. Yep. Yep. Um, you made my Monday scaries a little bit worse. <laughs> so. But I appreciate the topic. I like tsunamis. I like hearing more about them. I, li- I like hearing about natural disaster stuff. It's it's nice to know what, what can maybe kill you one day. Yeah, and randomly. And randomly. It can happen at any moment. I mean, if they don't, they could call me right now and say, hey, you got 10 hours to get out of there. I'm out of here. Yeah, but you'd be in traffic. Yeah, it'd be a lot of traffic. 
Get a bike. Get a bird scooter. Take off. <laughs> but yeah, that's tsunamis. How far would I need to go? Like Kansas? No, no, no. <laughs> Bristol, Tennessee? No, you'd only need to get in like... <laughs> Try to, um, can I just go to North Carolina and be okay? Oh, you wouldn't need to go, go that far. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think from here we'd probably... I mean, the Appalachian Mountains aren't that far. Um, no, that's true. You're, you'd, you'd get up pretty high pretty yeah. quickly. Um, and we, you'd be just fine. If Now, if a meteor hits... <laughs> We're, 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 it's not just the tsunami that's going to kill us. It's the fallout from the rest of it. But right. but yeah, the tsunami could kill you. That's why I keep a cyanide capsule at all times in this fake tooth I have. What here. would you do if you if, if you, there was some disaster coming in and uh, you knew there's nothing we could do? I don't know. I don't know either. No. Like, it'd be kind of freaky to look out into like the the void and call, just kind of see uh, see I call Bruce Willis and be like oh, things coming there's nothing we can do Bruce Willis and we would just we would literally be sitting here on our thumbs just yeah. nothing yeah I'd be recording a podcast for future alien generations yeah Put you can up. you can listen to this in the bunker that's right <laughs> I was lucky enough to get in that's right, <laughs> right. alright well that's today's show uh, thanks so much for listening everybody we will see you next week see ya